Father in heaven, we're thankful for the refreshment that we've enjoyed and fellowship as well. And once again, we ask for your presence, that you would give us understanding and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, does anybody have any questions about this? Um, you, can, you can get this um, off of their website, advancingecoag.com. Ad, advancingecoag.com If you were to search his name, it would probably bring up the website too, John Kemp. All of the criteria here, though, are dependent upon complete and balanced soil construction. That's how you achieve these things, and that's how, as, as you climb up that, that pyramid there, and you begin eliminating those problems, you're... you're I like to look at it the other way. You're actually um, gaining more life. I always tell people that you know we spend too much time fighting off death and too little time fostering life. Okay, let's look at weeds, the causes. Um, this is going to start sounding redundant to you, but the causes of weeds are incomplete and or imbalanced mineralization and inappropriate porosity and or capillarity in the soil. So why is that? Well, let's take some, let's take some weeds maybe people would be familiar with. Uh, uh, the dandelion. I mean, most of you are familiar with dandelion. Uh, and, and these books over here help, to, uh, help you to understand what the conditions are that cause certain plants to grow where they grow. We call them a weed, but... So in some cases, they're really there to try to heal the land. And that, that's actually the case with dandelion. In, in the situation with dandelion, um, you have low calcium situation. You have poor, you have poor digestive or process going on. The, 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 the biological process in the soil is, is breaking down. And the calcium level is low, and, and dandelion, what, does anybody know why dandelion is such a good green to eat? You could cultivate it. It's a deep root, but, but why, why is it that dandelions? Hmm? High in calcium. Dandelion can mine calcium where it's difficult for other plants to get it. And so when you see it taken over your yard, it should tell you that you're lacking calcium and you're lacking structure in your soil. And we could go through... We could go through a lot of different illustrations of weeds. I, I encourage you to, to get these books and start learning what, what are the conditions. But you'll see that it always comes down to, and in that case, there's a lack of calcium, and you don't have the right structuring of the soil. And there's other, when you have high potassium and high magnesium, you'll see, see thistle-type weeds, you'll see bindweed, um, and some of those types of things starting to proliferate in the soil because they can mine calcium as well, and they can deal with that tighter soil even better. We had an, uh, an alfalfa field out at Eden Valley, that, and the dandelion just came in and took it over. It was because there wasn't enough calcium there. And we were already naturally high in potassium and magnesium. So, um, Is that high, high in calcium or not? Hmm? The dandelion? High dandelion in is high in calcium, yeah. Yeah, it, it mines calcium and it accumulates it. And so when it dies, when the dandelion dies, it leaves more calcium behind. So what, what uh, plant, we call them weeds, but what plant will show up there will be, de will be dependent on what the overall uh, uh, 
situation of the mineralization in the structuring is. Because there may be another plant that will show up, but because dandelion can't even compete in that type of condition. But another plant that can extract calcium, but in a better way than the dandelion can, might come along and, and succeed in that area where your crop won't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you can grow a crop that's an accumulator with certain nutritional element, there's a whole, you know, God created variety. There's 12 manner of fruit on the tree of life. There's, there's variety. And they all express in unique ways the image of God, the character of God, what the character of God is like to us. And I don't know about you, I love growing fruit. And if you've, most people have gotten used to what they get in the grocery store is fruit. You haven't tasted you haven't tasted fruit until you've tasted it grown on nutritious ground or on mineralized ground um, and let ripen on the tree. This is another problem: is where they pick it off immature so that they can hold up to the whole shipping process and and uh, uh, handling. And so it's biologically immature. It's it's not even ready to be able to provide you with all of the. I think my wife, uh, she was in Belize with her parents as missionaries and and she was she doesn't she doesn't really care for mangoes and things like that avocados and everything she got there she said we pick them off the tree the avocados and they were more of a golden green they weren't because they were ripe and you'd cut them open and sometimes they just drip oil out of them um, or mangoes that were completely ripened on the tree it's just not the it's just not the same thing and most people their expectations have come to be so low because of that, you go to the grocery store and what we call food today, you know, I've been largely, it's probably aged me 10 or 15 years and three years, but I've been largely without my own food because I've been to so tied up in this transition thing that's taken a lot more time than we planned on it taking and everything. And I'm telling you, I, I feel terrible. <laughs> I don't know how people, I don't know how people function. Uh, you had, yep. <laughs> Did you ever notice the proliferation of the, the uh, energy drinks? And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. this is, the, this is the, the stimulation. It's where, again, where I said before, where there's, there's a substitute of, a st of stimulation for nourishment. And it's covering up the fact that we're, we're malnourished, that we're dying, really. That's what it is, we're dying. But the day's coming when those interventions are not gonna, they're not going to do any good anymore. Uh, I was sharing with someone the uh, how everything is exponentially rising right now as far as crisis goes. And I said, the food supply, people don't realize the food supply could, could go away at any time. And it's not just because, and it could be simply because the financial system collapses. The financial system is probably in worse shape than anything. We've built a facade, an illusion of reality here that we actually have what we don't have. Amen. And that's what, these, that's what these stimulants do to us. They create the idea that we have life when we don't have life. But if something like that happens, you have an immediately, immediate freeze-up of everything. No distribution. No harvesting. No packaging. Food rotting in the field because it can't get to where it needs to go because nobody knows what to charge for it. Nobody knows if they're going to get paid for it. Um, so that's an, that's an issue completely beyond that. On top of that, what if all the interventions go away? What if the, can you imagine just coffee? Can you imagine if coffee went away? 
what the what the the state of of humanity would be. And if you start taking one and one or two or three of those or four of those away, um, and multiplying that, taking away, take the take the interventions away from agriculture, it would totally collapse. It would totally collapse. It cannot function without all those interventions. And so. Um, if all of those interventions were taken away for us? What if the healthcare system, it, it just totally freezes up as a result of that? And you can't get all your, your pharmaceuticals and, your, and your, um, all the other interventions that come with that. What's going to happen then? Are we a healthy society? I just, I just read that, um, that diabetes has now overtaken AIDS and malaria and I can't remember what the other disease was. It's it's a more of an epidemic than than any of those diseases now. And so we need to come. We need to wake up. And we need to come back to the real world. Otherwise, we're going to be in that trap with everybody else. And and how are you going to respond to it? We don't want to be responding to this in a crisis. Um, so. Again, it comes back to these two things. It's, it's the hormone and the enzyme systems that dictate what's going to grow and what's not going to grow there. Sorry, you had a question, didn't you? You'd grow, you'd grow fantastic dandelion greens in fertile soil. If you, if you plant it there, if you deliberately cal- sow that seed and cultivate it, it will do the best. All of these plants, remember, some things are deformed, like thorns and thistles. And if any of you, were any of you in Jerry Travers' class? Um, thorns and thistles are just deformities. A thistle is just a leaf that turned inside of itself instead of opening up. A thorn is a stem that just didn't finish forming. They're deformities. They're epigenetic deformities. And so, because, see, the devil can't create anything from nothing. He can only take what God created and deform it. And if the conditions are such that it can be reformed, and that's what we need, is that we need to be reformed, not formed. You'll see this movement, the whole spiritual formation movement, is where we need to form our spirituality. What does that tell you? That tells you that, that we're the author not God. We're the authority, not God. And um, so we, we look at these things again, well, like I shared with the biology in the pathogenic or, or parasitic types of biology. When they are nourished, they don't behave that way anymore. It's only in a dead and dying environment. And you'll look at, if you look in the world, there's, there's, there's only two belief systems. One is one that gives life, and that's Christ, true Christianity. And all the rest are just worshiping at the altar of death. And they're trying to appease death and fend it off and, and, and fight it off. And so our focus needs, because Jesus said, I'm not, the, I'm not the God of the dead, I'm the God of the living. And so that's where our focus needs to be. So hormone and enzyme systems are what are dictating what's going to germinate and what's going to proliferate there. And those two things are affected by the mineralization of the soil and the porosity of the soil. Let's take the porosity of the soil, for example. If the mineralization is not, they, they actually relate to each other, so you can't, although you could have a lack of porosity from um, compaction, something like the wayside, 
illustration in the parable of the sower. Well, that was from the trap. It's the pathway belong beside the field, and it's where the traffic always goes. It's, it's the traffic of, of the world, you know, running over your life just endlessly until it's so packed down that that uh, there is no air in it. There is no spirit in it. You've you've given up on life. You don't even you don't even um, respond to the um, the so- seeds being sown because there's nowhere for the seeds to, to take root at. Um, but you can get when when the air's not in the soil, you have anaerobic conditions. Under anaerobic conditions, certain materials are produced uh, that are anaerobic: methane, ethane, butane, um, formaldehyde, alcohol. All these things that are produced in an alchem- in an anaerobic situation, and those those act like hormones, and they stimulate certain types of seeds to grow that can actually grow in that environment and can endure or tolerate that environment, whereas good other seeds are just not going to be able to grow there. And that is a, that is a natural result. And what is what is producing that ethane, methane, butane, formaldehyde, and alcohol? Decomposition of what? Organic matter. What is organic matter? Testimony. It's our experience. Our experience is uh, spirit is being suffocated in that, and it begins producing um, different. It's no longer anaerobic breakdown products that can now be used to give more life. It's products that are actually destructive to life. And so, um, the other, the other. Um, Thing that the enzyme systems—that's when you don't have the right mineralization, you can't build complete compounds or correctly constructed compounds. And so the enzymes that you generate are different than the ones that you ought to generate, that ought to be generated. And again, they start triggering other—you know—stimulating other types of plants that can grow in this defective, deformed type of environment. You wind up getting thorns and thistles and, and all of the things that come along with that. If you want good things to grow there, again, it goes all the way back to where we started at. Complete and balanced mineralization. Well, we'll get to that in a second here. So does everybody, uh, I won't spend a lot of time on this if, if we don't need to, but does everybody kind of understand the, the principle here? So how would you get rid of the things you don't want growing there? Okay, it's, it's about bringing balance back to a complete and balanced situation back to the soil. Now, if anybody's gone out and dug up their soil and planted seeds in it, did it all work just like you wanted it to? Now, this is why, this is why agriculture is, is an educational process, because it's, um, this is not about justification. It teaches us how lost we are. And, and how much of a need we are in a Savior. This is about sanctification. And it's about bringing that, bringing that character of the soil to the place where it is full of life, where it isn't expressing all of these things. You know, it's not showing the signs of death, and it's, it's fully expressing the image of God. That's our purpose as a people, is to, is to restore the image of God so that the world can see it. That's what is needed, the contrast between the character of Satan and the character of God. And so putting those conditions back in place so we can, we can achieve that is our goal. But the sanctification process is hard work because you're not starting from a right place. And 
knowing and understanding the conditions, but also what can be and what should be, but also the conditions that do exist is important for us because then we know, like for example, when I go out and I cultivate the soil, when I'm first starting out and the soil's not what it needs to be, I go out and I cultivate the soil and I put, plant the seeds, what do I know is going to happen? Weeds. Weeds are going to come because that seed doesn't have the vigor, it doesn't have the strength to produce the hormones. Um, I don't know if I shared this, so maybe I should share it again. When, when you sow a seed, it will begin generating a hormone that will suppress germination. And it will exude it out its roots. Around, around its root zone, it will exude it out and it'll suppress germination. The problem with that is then in, in an incomplete and imbalanced soil, it only lasts about three or four days, maybe a week at best. In a healthy soil, how long do you think it lasts? Six to eight weeks. Now, what happens to a plant in six to eight weeks? What would the size of the plant be in three or four days as opposed to the size of a plant in six to eight weeks? if it can put out this suppressive effect to prevent the expression of other things except what was deliberately sown there to be grown. Um, the plant's a lot bigger, right? It overshadows the soil. It canopies the soil. And so it blocks out the light, which is another requirement for germination. And so as that, that hormonal effect begins wearing off, it's not needed anymore, the plant has grown up and, it's, and has canopied the soil and, and blocked out the light from any access to the seeds that are in the soil there and, and stimulating the germination that comes from it. In a healthy, uh, healthy soil, that's, we're talking about what sanctification is here, is the sowing of the right seed into the right soil. The next thing that happens as the soil improves, you know, you, so you have to go in and do that cultivation, right? You know that it's not going to do what it could do otherwise. So you're going to have to go. So you go and hit it at the white root stage. You actually cultivate. You don't weed. How many people weed and how many people cultivate, or do you know the difference between the two? Weeding is usually a reaction, and cultivating is a, is a proaction. Cultivating is recognizing that the conditions are not such that things are going to want to express themselves that you don't want expressed. It's like in our own lives. And so you go out there when they're little bitty like that, and you go out and you, you cultivate them out. And you give that, that plant even more time to overshadow that soil and, and, and take control of that whole area. Um, weeding is going out and trying to fight off the effect. The weeds are already this big, and you're going out there with a chopping hoe, and, you know, a, a hoe to chop instead of cultivating. And so you don't want to get there. You, want to, you don't want to wait till it's, it's already half taken over and competing with what you have there anyway. <coughs> Usually we're, uh, yeah, it's hard work. <laughs> but if you're mindful already, if you anticipate, if you know, look, this is already there. I know it's there. There's a million weed seeds in every square, or a million seeds in every square foot of soil on average. A million. And, yeah. And if you've ever had that experience where you've gone out there and you've anticipated it and you've gotten part of it done and part of it you haven't gotten done, you'll see the difference. In, in that, um, we had that experience this year when we were cultivating our corn, and I said we need to go and do a second cultivation here, but we need to get across it. Well, the rain came before we could finish everything, and this area we got done was the same thing. The area we got done, 
we just had hardly anything. There was just one here and there we had to go in and take care of, but um, the area we didn't get done was just totally covered. It's totally covered. So one thing is recognizing what reality is. You know, take away all these these um, reality suppressing um, interventions and start. It's a hard thing for us to do. It's a really hard thing for us to do to start facing ourselves the way we really are. But it's what we need to do. And and if you have a knowledge of what you need to be, and you can apply those principles to life, with God's help and 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 uh, inspiration, then you anticipate these things. One of the somebody asked me, well, what happens to all those weed seeds? Because um, I'm talking about sanctification here. I said, an interesting thing happens when the soil gets really healthy like that. See, all these deformities are weak. Are weak. And so as you bring that biological vigor up, it begins attacking all of those deformed weed seeds and destroying them. It'll attack rhizomes and destroy them because they don't belong there anymore. And so it'll take and it'll eliminate, start eliminating these things out of there. But the key is you need to give the truth the advantage and, and recognize that you know, error is lurking in all kinds of places that we need to discover where it is and, and get it removed out of there. So, okay, so the solution, which we've already been talking about, is proper soil construction. It's right character. It's the right character of the soil. Complete and balanced mineralization, appropriate porosity and capillarity. I forgot an L in that capillarity, didn't I? Apologize. Um, we focus ourselves. You know, I've probably said this multiple times, and I hope you're not getting tired of hearing it. We focus ourselves on all the symptoms. We live in the plane of effects, and so we tend to focus on the effects. And we don't, we don't really focus on the causes, what are causing those effects. And the truth is that the, the plane of causes doesn't always uh, materialize itself in the same time and space. You know, I've said if you put your hand on the, on the hot stove, well, the effect comes pretty quick to the cause. I put my hand on the stove and I burn it. But causes can be put in place sometimes months, years, decades, generations uh, in the past. And these suppressive interventions that are constantly brought into our lives, that we constantly bring into our lives, prevent us from seeing the cumulative effects that are building up and they're building up and they're building up until it comes to the point where it's a crisis. So, um, understanding the causes. Now, here, another thing about that is, you remember when Jesus brought the, the, the his disciples brought the blind man to him and they, and they asked him, who, who sinned? This man or his parents? What was Jesus' answer? Neither. Neither. He was trying to teach them not only is there the individual consequences of our actions, the individual effects, but there's an aggregate effect. There's an aggregate of humanity who are making decisions every, and acting every, every day of their lives over history, that there's an accumulative effect um, that's, that's coming and sometimes, sometimes um, causes us to have harm that we were innocent of. And I, you know, I remember when I first joined the church, I had a friend, and 
I had a dream about, you know, all of this that I'm talking about, you know, a, a work where there was a cooperation where people were being educated and, and their health was being restored and it was surrounded by a farm. And, and um, I told this friend about it and she was, in, uh, she was studying architectural engineering. And she said, tell me all the details about it and I'll make a model for you. <laughs> and she started making the model and just a little while later, a drunk driver ran a red light and killed her. Had she done anything wrong? No. no. Was she innocent? She was innocent of that, that effect. But that cause came into play. And it's important we understand this because when things happen to us, we go and we say, Lord, why did this happen to me? Is it in the tone that this is your fault? Rather than understanding the realities of life and, and thanking God for his mercy and understanding that you know, we, we're in a world that's, that's broken and is corrupt. And our mission is to bring life to that, to bring hope to, the, to that world in spite of what might happen to us because we have no control over those things. We, we put our lives in God's hands and if so be it that we do what he needs us to do, then we, he'll preserve our lives until that's accomplished. But if something happens, we don't, we don't blame him for it. We're at fault. We're the ones that are responsible for, for the things that are happening in this world, not God. And so, but it comes back to, again, the character. Everything else around us, you can deal with all of the effects and try to suppress them with whatever interventions you want to do, or you can, you can restore life. That's, that's our choice. But it all starts in the soil. It all starts in the character. It all starts in the heart. They, they're the same thing. The body and the mind are one. And I think sometimes we're confused about why agriculture is important. But not only is it a means of nourishment, if we appropriately apply it and understand it, it's, it was actually intended, I think, from the beginning, that we could participate. We were to be a, a reflection of the character of God. And so we were to participate in, in creative acts. We were to be uh, in our sphere. Obviously, we can't create something out of nothing, but, you know... Have you ever thought about it when a baby is born? You know, what did it start from? <laughs> but the whole process was for us to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth, to fill the earth with the character of God. And so it was really intended that we would participate in God, with God in the creative process. And when we go into the garden, that's what we're going to, to learn about, the creative process, the sowing of a seed, the nurturing of that seed. It's growing up and maturing and bearing fruit. And there's something hopeful and inspiring about that. But there's, it's not hopeful and inspiring when you go out and you plant the seeds and they start up and then the weeds start coming up and you lose control and you don't know what's supposed to be happening and, and, and next thing. Uh, I, I'm hoping to work with a family that's running a lifestyle center and he's wanting to have gardens there and, and I helped build a high tunnel for him and everything, but he doesn't have enough time to surround that and, and surround the running of the of the health center. And, but he goes out and he, he tills the ground and he puts seeds in there and then he can never get back and, and take care of them and everything. It turns into a weed patch. And I said, you're better off just not doing anything right now. I said, what happens to a person who's sick? They're physically sick or they're emotionally sick or mentally sick and, and, the, and there's physical manifestations of that as well. And they come there 
for healing. And they do a fantastic job at healing there. Um, but I think they could do even better if they had the food. That's why you know, the nutritious food. And they walk out onto the balcony. They have a balcony in the back that looks back over the field, the, the, the valley that they're in there. And they come and they walk out and they look out over the field there. And here's your garden just grown up in weeds. And would that be hopeful? Would that inspire hopefulness? Or would it, inspire, would it be discouraging? Oh, man, my own life looks like that. And you go out and you look out the window and, and it's just a, a, a mess. Uh, when I was out at Eden Valley, one of my things that I really, I still do, but I was very meticulous about order, wanting to bring order and beauty to what I was doing so that whenever anybody encountered that, it was inspiring to them. It was hopeful. Wow, look, there is, there is hope for order in my life. There is hope for, for beauty in my life rather than it being ugliness and, and di- chaos. And I... I there was a, a doctor, drove a Mercedes, wear $1,000 suits, $500 shoes, come out to get stuff. And he brought a lawn chair with him all the time. And he, 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 was, he would ask, would you mind if I just set my lawn chair up here and sit and look out over the fields? Because it gives me hope. He'd take his shoes off. <laughs> He'd take his shoes off and walk barefoot out and dirt up and down the pathways there to... Um, and that's what he said. He said it gave, gave him hope. So that's, that's what the world needs. And we, we're making it. But we can't give that to the world unless our, until our own lives are complete and balanced. The image of God is restored. And then we can, we can bring that to people. So this is... This was what a waste place, this is the first slide I had before, but this is what a waste place looks like when God gets a hold of it. This used to be, some of you know, I think you mentioned, this is Bouchard Gardens up in Vancouver, British Columbia. It was a rock quarry that they chose to restore. And That is what God can do with our lives, just the same as he can do with the soil and uh, restore life to us. We're going to just go quickly on to the grower's purpose stuff here. I want to make sure I've got, um, got just a few minutes here. Is there any questions on that? I didn't elaborate in detail on specific, like I said to you before, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time studying specific plants. If I see them in the environment that I'm in, then I'd look at them and say, okay, why is that there? Why is that there? I'll go and I'll, I'll research that. But if any of you looked at those books on weeds, there's hundreds of them. There's thousands of them. And so if they're not ones that are affecting your life, if they're not ones that are affecting your soil, focus on what brings the life. And then with the things you do need to, to, to look at, look at them. Understand why is this happening? That's the self-examination process. That's self-respect by the way, is actually um, looking at yourself and um, caring about yourself and wanting to understand why things are that way. I think it's important, I hope that you're not disappointed in the science part of it, but if we don't bring these two things together, we won't understand either one of them correctly. It's important that they be brought together. So what is the grower's purpose? What is your purpose for human being in this class? I'm not going to, I can tell you why I'm here. And, you know, we don't, 
you don't necessarily have to share why you're here, but why are you in this class? What is your, what is your purpose for being here? What is your purpose to want to be involved in agriculture, in, in gardening or growing? Is it just to nourish yourself? Well, that's a good reason to do it. Um, is it for a livelihood? Well, that's a good thing too. But for me, the other two are more important. You can't achieve it without those other two, necessarily. But knowledge, understanding, and wisdom is one of the reasons to involve yourself in agriculture. To grow things, not just to be, say, I'm doing this, okay, but I don't understand why I'm doing it, I'm just doing it. It's to gain knowledge, understanding, and wisdom not just of life itself, but a knowledge of the life giver, the one who gave us life, to know him, to understand him, and to be able to act in accordance with his will is, is what we learn when you, you work with the soil. You learn to learn about the creator, you learn about his purposes, and you learn about the things that you... Well, look, this, there, there are things in life that are fixed, okay? There are things in life that are determined, and you know... I think one of the greatest fears of humanity is that truth is absolute. We don't want it to be. We want the truth to be whatever we want it to be. And, you know, a knowledge of the holy is understanding, or a knowledge of the holy is, is about knowing what is determined. When God says that I don't change, he means that. It's why Paul said that we're under the law and the the law can't do anything for us. It's fixed. It's not going to do anything for us. If you, if you, you jump, and it doesn't matter whether you're, you're innocent or you're guilty of violating the law, the, the consequences will always come. The effects will always come. And so if you don't understand what that determined reality is, and you're, you're fighting it all the time with the wrong decisions and actions, and the consequences come, because of that, who, who would you blame? You can't, the only person you can blame is yourself, unless the knowledge wasn't accessible, unless you couldn't know that truth. But the truth is, um, it's more ignorance than it is nescience. Nescience is the, the term that uh, the knowledge is just not available. You have no access to it, so you don't know it. You, you can't know it. Ignorance is the term that fits better. And if you pronounce it correctly, ignorance. The knowledge is available to us, um, but we either neglect it or deliberately disregard it, and we face the consequences of it. Um, but you can, have a, you can have a right knowledge of the character of God, but if you don't have the right understanding of that character, of the, of the character of God, what's God's purpose? If we're afraid of, if we're afraid of that, we don't understand it correctly. You could put another term on this. How do we feel about it? Because that's that's what that is. It's the the emotive principle. How do we feel about it? God has that. God has feelings. They're expressed throughout the Bible all the time. But you know, how do we feel about it? What are our thoughts? And then what are our feelings? How do we feel about it? Because those are the two things that lead us to act, aren't they? What we think and how we feel about it determines how we're going to act. And 
If the Bible says you'll know them by their fruits, look at the world today and what kind of fruits do you see? So you think something's mixed up in those two, in that, that law, that determination in, in our perspective and how we see it and how we understand it. Because the actions, the actions are not matching up with the desires. How many people would say they want the world to be the way it is today? And yet it is. You know, we live in a country where it claims to be the majority of the people in the country claim to be Christian. But what, what do you see around you? Is it the image of God? So somewhere along the line, our thoughts and our feelings are not right. Our knowledge and our understanding is not correct because our actions are not fulfilling the purpose. Um, I wish I had a time to go into the, the whole concept of information, the fact that um, there is a purpose, there's a reason that information is sent. First of all, information has to have a sender. But there's a reason that information is sent. There's a purpose. And there's an expected outcome as a result of that purpose. And the real question is, do we really understand the purpose of God? Are the outcomes or the effects what you would consider the purpose of God? Exactly. So you have to bring together those two things. You can't, they're not separate from each other. And um, we have a disposition. You know, I work with soils and I see soils from all over the place. And they have the, this is important for us to understand, they have a disposition. The parent material that they're formed from is what wants to express itself. So, like I said earlier, like Edwin, the die singers, they, they're sitting on a rock phosphate ore body. And so what wants to express itself there is what is, com- is incompatible with an exaggeration of those two things in relation to other things. You can have something completely different, which is exa- which the parent material, the disposition, that's what you're talking about. Our disposition is no longer uh, in harmony with truth. It's just no longer, the soil is no longer complete and balanced. It is what it is. And uh, for, we, we need to understand that because there is no inherent ability in us anymore to restore the image of God. Left to ourselves, we will not reflect the image of God. We will not reflect the character of God. So that's the, the beauty of the cross. That's the power of the cross is that God opened the door, opened the way, so that, so that the Spirit of God could now come in and lead us back into truth. And so what is, that, what is our part in that? Well, as we get a, a right knowledge of God again, then again, you come back to this random part of it, this action of the will, the understanding. That's what it means, the understanding. You know, we have to understand that correctly, but that, because that's what motivates us to act. If we don't, like if I... For example, if I do, a grower pulls a sample and we do a, I do a recommendation on, on the conditions there, and I give those recommendations to him, if truth is revealed to us, and that grower doesn't do anything about it, has he done any, is, is all the whole process done any good? It's gotten worse. Yeah, it's gotten worse. And so we also need to understand what our, what our role is here, because I have, you know, 
we're, we're sick in the head, as Isaiah says it. And our, our, um, our minds are in balance. We're either too far in one, si- one side of the brain or too far in the other side of the brain. There's not really time to elaborate on that here. I hope to elaborate on that tomorrow. Um, so that we're not, our, we're not understanding correctly. But as those truths come to us, as they're revealed to us, if somebody asked me you know, how I learned this stuff, is I had to learn it like it says in Isaiah. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You know, as God leads and he, he reveals things to you, what are you going to do with them? If you don't do anything with them, I have people, they want to sit on the couch and, and they're waiting on the Lord. And the Lord came a, lot, came a long time ago and they never got up off the couch and, and, and acted on the, the knowledge that they had. And, and we seem to have a hard time with this, this whole concept and that's why I, I like to show it in the soil because the principle is exactly the same there. That you can know the conditions and if you know what they should be and you know what to apply to, to restore it and that's the theme of the conference, to restore the waste places. Well, that's a process. Restoring is a verb. It's an action. And so if we don't apply, if we don't take action in appropriate ways, then you're not going to restore anything. And so we do need, we do need that input from, from the Holy Spirit so that we're going to understand these things. But if we don't do anything with them, then we're, we're, um, God can't do anything more for us. You know, how firm a foundation a song. It talks about that in there. What more could I do? What more could I say than I, that I haven't already said and done? The other purpose here is to bring this to other people. It's not just for ourselves. And so it doesn't matter how you bring truth into people's lives. You can bring it People are socially dysfunctional. They're physically dysfunctional. They're emotionally dysfunctional. They're spiritually dysfunctional. And if you can bring function to them at any level, then you're bringing life back to them. And you're bringing hope back to them. I don't know if I shared this. I had a friend in Hawaii. Did I share the one about the friend in Hawaii? I don't think I did. Um, they, were, uh, they had something on, for, uh, for sale on Craigslist. And a person called up and, and wanted to come look at it. Well, they were just sitting down to lunch, and they're vegan. And, but they said, well, we're just sitting down to lunch, but you're welcome to come by and look at it or have, and have lunch with us. And that, was, that freaked the guy out on the phone a little bit. Um, we're insecure. We're fearful. We live our lives in fear of each other for the silliest reasons. But... He decided to come anyway. He said, well, I don't have time to stay for lunch, but I, if it's okay, I'll come by and look at this. I don't remember what the item was now. And uh, he, he came over, and he looked at it, and they said to him, you sure you don't want to sit down and have lunch with us? And I guess it must have smelled pretty good or something like that. He decided, well, yeah, okay, maybe I will. He was there for two hours. Somebody that said they only had ten minutes. And he didn't want to leave. He was starving to death for social nourishment. You know, we, we make things more complicated than they really need to be. People are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And we need to feed them. Just like Jesus said to Peter, 
three times. Feed my sheep. Feed them. Feed them spiritually. Feed them socially. Feed them emotionally. Feed them physically. Feed them. Feed them with what? So we're pretty much done here. Uh, I'll leave that with you to consider. And again, I'll, I'll don't take anything that I've said and just go out and say, okay, that's it, and I'm going to do it. And Be sure. Be a good Berean and, and consider what was said. Um, test it. You know, one of the things I do is I tell growers that you know, they're not sure what to do. I said, take a little plot, a little section, and, and do it there and compare that to what, what else you're doing. And I've never had, I mean, if you're unwilling to commit the whole thing, you know, the full, to the whole thing, taste and see that the Lord is good. Test Him. And so take a little section and, and, and try it there and see. I've never had anybody come back that's decided that, well, that didn't really work out, so I'll go back to what I was doing. It's always come back as, okay, we need to do the whole thing. There is, um, I just forgot it, I was a, a biblical text I was going to share with you, but God is for us, not against us. Amen. Let me just say that. He wants us to, He wants us. What did Jesus say? I came that you might have life, and you might have life more abundantly. So not only come so we could have life because He gave us salvation, but He came so that we could have life more abundantly, fully, the way He intended it to be. So with that, I thank you for your attention. Um, I hope that it was helpful. I hope it was a blessing. It's. Um, it's a joy to me to be able to share it. I just hope that I shared it in a clear enough way that it can be, can be helpful to you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.